Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning back into the Let's Get Uncomfy podcast. I want to have a little disclaimer. We're about to dive into a very real episode, an episode that might look a little bit different. As you can tell from the title, we are talking about addiction today. And one of my close friends, Annika, she's actually all the way in Australia, but she was willing to share her story with y'all today. And I want to preface before we dive into this episode, that although Annika's addictions are extreme and severe and very real, I want you guys to know that you don't have to be addicted to drugs or a substance or alcohol to suffer with addiction. It is 2020 and I think we're all so very aware of so many other addictions that are very real in today's world, right? And so addiction at the end of the day can be something you turn to in order to numb pain, emotions, feelings, to get out of your own life, to almost get out of your own mind even and avoid problems, avoid situations, avoid time passing. And so I want you guys and I challenge you guys as you listen to this episode, if this is an episode that you choose to listen to, I challenge you guys to think about your life. Is there something that you are doing to numb through pain and numb feelings and numb emotions? Are you diving into work? Are you getting into something that you're not proud of? And I challenge you guys to dig deep. I fully believe that addiction doesn't have to be something as extreme as what we talk about today. However, and on whatever spectrum you struggle with addiction, it is still very real. You can struggle with addiction in the dark, in the privacy of your own home without anybody knowing. And I just wanted to have this episode to show you guys and even shed a light whether or not you're struggling with addiction. It is surely something that impacts your life. Maybe you know somebody struggling with it. Maybe you used to know somebody struggling with it. Maybe this episode will just resonate with you in terms of being at a low point in life or being in a place where you don't know how to get yourself out of a situation. And so I hope that this episode inspires you to see that your low points do not have to define your life. Annika's story, I believe, is so inspiring because she shows that she is more than her addiction. And guys, so are you. You are more than the low points of your life. You are more than the struggles. You are more than the hardships. You are more than the hard times. And so I hope that this episode hits home and resonates with you. Please feel free to share it on social media. Tag Annika, tag myself, tag the Let's Get Uncomfy podcast on social media. I want to hear what you guys think. I want to hear what thoughts this brings up. And if that looks like sending me a DM in private, that is totally okay too. But I just wanted to share my love and talk about this topic that might be a little taboo. It might seem like something that I shouldn't be talking about, but I know that we are all suffering. We are all going through similar problems, just different iterations, different variations, different degrees, different times, but we're all going through it. And I wanted to share that with you guys today. So you know that you are not alone. So let's dive in. Let's get started. Hey friends. 
friends, and welcome to the Let's Get Uncomfy podcast. I'm your host, Annie, Air Force officer turned serial entrepreneur, author, CEO, fitness expert, and personal growth junkie. Honestly, though, guys, I'm just like you. I choose every single day to get uncomfy in pursuit of what others consider unlikely. And that's exactly how I've built a life I am freaking obsessed with. And I want you to know that you're capable of the same. Here in this fam, yes, you're officially a part of the fam. We choose every day to quit our excuses, ditch the negativity, and embrace our best lives. Literally nothing is off the table when it comes to the conversations we're going to have together. We'll chat fitness, mental health, relationships, personal growth, business, and I'm certain we're going to laugh together, but please don't hold it against me if we cry together too. I know you'll leave this episode with the confidence and excitement to grow from your mistakes, pursue your passions, and ultimately own your life. Now let's get on with it. It's time to get uncomfy. Okay, we are here. Happy Thursday, guys, if you're listening to this right now. Welcome to the Let's Get Uncomfy podcast, and we're going to get a little more uncomfy today. Today, I have with us Annika Julivari, and she is all the way, guys, like we're doing this interview on opposite sides of the world. So she's in Australia. I'm here in Texas, and so I'm so, so, so grateful. Guys, I just want to give a little disclaimer today. Y'all know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that we talk about the real, real, and we give it how it is, and we're not sugarcoating anything, and and sometimes an F-bomb slips, sometimes I'm saying some things that maybe aren't appropriate for the children in a room, and so today's episode, based off of the name, I'm sure you guys saw the name of this podcast episode specifically, and I just want to disclaim, if, if you're somebody who struggles with addiction, abuse, just a lot of different topics like that, and that this might be triggering for you, I just want to start off by saying that. I also want to say that if that is you, maybe this episode could shed some light on the recovery and the the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, that, that it could be. And, and so I just want to say that, and I'm going to start off by saying that because we're going to get real today. And so without further ado, Annika, do you want to kind of explain a little bit about who you are for everybody listening that doesn't know you? Absolutely. Hi, everybody. So yes, as Annie said, my name is Annika and I am from Australia. So hello, everybody from Australia. Um, I actually live in Melbourne, so I'm sure that you've heard us in the news. We're locked down at the moment pretty hard. So when Annie reached out to me, to uh, hit this up, I thought it was a great idea. I'm a little bit nervous this morning because I haven't talked about this kind of thing before, but yes, I am from Melbourne. I'm 25 years old. I'm turning 26 very, very soon. I live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, so about an hour from the city. And yeah, I grew up here and yeah, I've got a bit of a story, I guess, for everybody out there today. Thank you, Annie, again for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm honestly so grateful that when I did ask you, you were open to it. And so guys, Annika and I actually met on Instagram. So we connected over health and fitness. She is honestly like when we first started talking, like she's just so authentic and just right from the get go, I was like, okay, this girl's real. She had been vulnerable and a little open about her story and about where she had come from and why she was, you know, inspired by me or why she felt, you know, called to kind of like connect with me more. And so in talking through that, you know, Anna, can I have know how long ago do you think that was that we first connected? 
I feel like it would be pushing on to almost two years ago now. Yeah. Okay. So I am like so grateful that, you know, she has been open with me so that we can really talk about that. So when I launched this podcast, I was like, you know what, this is a topic actually that's been highly requested in the DMs. I know that there are people out there who struggle with addiction, whether it's a past addiction, a current addiction, whether it is what you might think as not strong enough to be considered an addiction, or you're very well aware that it's, it's an addiction that's controlling your life, right? There's all spectrums of addiction. And so today we're kind of going to talk about that. And I'm going to open the floor for Annika to talk about that. She wrote out her story because even though we've talked through it a little bit, I asked her to write out her story so I could get a better understanding of it. And, and Annika, do you mind if I just read the first sentence that you Absolutely wrote? Absolutely not careful. Then, and then I think that is like a really great way for you to lead into just your story. But she wrote, and this is the first thing I read. Do you know that 80% of people who have been sexually abused as a child develop a drug addiction? That's an extremely high percentage of predisposed people. And I read that and I was like, wow, like first off, I didn't know that. And second off, I mean, I think that just leads into your story. So do you want to take it away and kind of explain, like I said, as much as you're willing to talk about as much detail or not about just kind of your story in the last, um, you know, few years. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I wrote that first line because, you know, I'm not going to launch into this. It's not what this episode is about, but out of respect for my family, not going to talk too much about it, but as a child, I did go through some things through nobody's fault other than the monsters that are out there. You know, it was just, it is what it is. And I guess growing up after that was, I didn't know that I was really any different. I knew I was different actually, but I didn't know, I guess, really where that was going to take me. And um, I suppose looking back in hindsight, there were definitely some symptoms that maybe could have been seen by people if they'd looked, I guess. But I mean, I, I'm from a family that is very straight by the book. They're beautiful, beautiful people, the best kind of people. So I guess it wasn't something that they knew to look for. And uh, I did go to an all girls Catholic school as well. I was raised in a Catholic family. We don't practice religion anymore in the household, but I mean, growing up, that was an influence. So I went to an all girls Catholic college and I was somewhat of an outcast, I guess. I mean, I had a lot of friends, a lot of friends from a lot of different groups, but I never really fit in anywhere. I remember something I used to throw around a bit, a phrase I used to say a bit as a teenager was that I defy my stereotype. And um, I said that for a long time. I guess I knew that I was somewhat different and I'd always been told that I was special. And like, I guess I had a lot of help in high school as well because I was a little bit of a troublemaker. The teachers loved me, but they had to deal with me a lot. So I became close with them, but there was this like funny relationship. And I was always like, just yeah noticed I'm loud I'm very very forward and opinionated and that turns into aggression sometimes aggression I don't know is that the right word it I just my banter is a bit rough and yeah I lost friends growing up and rubbed people the wrong way and looking back man it's just like I don't know how the signs weren't really picked up by 
yeah it's funny but it's so crazy uh, like sometimes that kind of stuff where you look back and you're like how did nobody catch this or how did I not catch this or you know like how did one domino falling hit another domino all lead to this you know it's like one little thing at a time and I think so many people can probably relate to that whether that is addiction or just one small move that triggered one next move that went to something and else. that's you know what adds up I guess to become the thing is the little the little things yeah. that all add up so I mean because you know that this is as I've said the first time I'm really talking about this even actually verbalizing this to you right now I'm actually having realizations because yeah I haven't really gone through this actually before so it's this should be interesting <laughs> so yeah so after high school I did well I did really well. I got into some good unis, but I didn't want to go. And I took a year off and that's when I started to really like smoke marijuana. I tried it, but it wasn't prevalent in my life. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in, in a place outside of Melbourne that's, it's beautiful, but it's a little bit remote. It's kind of like, it's, it's called Mount Dandenong and it's really just like a big, forest up here and you know public transport only runs a few times a day and the shops are all at least a half an hour drive and so before I had a license there wasn't a whole lot of room for movement and there was a group of people up here that actually still is called the hills crew that was kind of like the coin term for the, the people the kids up here that would all hang out together because we couldn't get to where everybody else was so up here the I, I guess it's kind of like actually good and bad so I wouldn't have wanted to grow up in the suburbs I feel like there's a lot more threats down there especially for somebody who was predisposed like me to drugs but being up here the marijuana culture is I mean that's all there is I mean that's all anybody does up here and we're pretty known for that so it's quite funny if you just drive 20 minutes from here to the suburbs, yeah, people talk about the hills, like from Belgrave kind of onwards towards where I live as, you know, being up sticks and it's where all the hippies are and, you know, and yeah, everybody kind of just smokes butt up here. And so I went to an all girls school, but everybody there was kind of hanging out in this, in Roeville and all those other suburbs. And, I couldn't get there so yeah I, I tried butt up here before and then when I graduated and it just became much more a part of my life and it was so normalized it was so culturally appropriate and that's all I did for a long time it still is actually something that I still do it's like the only kind yeah. of vibes I'm still carrying and I know you wrote in there in your when you were typing things out you're like you were kind of sit like, and like weed's not the big deal. Like that wasn't the gateway drug. That wasn't what like pulled me into so. it. You don't I think, don't so. think so. Yeah. I mean, I, it's I, notorious. There's a lot, like I know a lot of people that just smoke and that's just, that's what it is. And that's it. And like, you know, and Most so it doesn't become drug addicts. That is a fact. Most people who try, who experiment or whatever, are not going to become gigantic. Now, that is not to say that it's a good idea. I mean, you don't know yeah. what your biology is. You don't know what you're predisposed to. And you don't know what is going to affect you in different ways until you try something, which is the risk. And it is a, it is a risk. It is a, a real risk. In saying that, I, I don't think that they should be as 
demonized as they are some drugs, but some drugs definitely, definitely should be. They absolutely should be put in the never try. They shouldn't even exist. I mean, they're man-made and they're disgusting. And just but, for the I mean, of this podcast, guys, like, and, you know, we're not saying go out there and try things. Like, that's exactly not what we're saying. Not saying that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that it was a gateway drug necessarily. I mean, I know it's notorious for being the gateway drug, but I don't know. Of all the people who I've smoked marijuana with, I, I can't think of anyone else who's had the same issues as me. So, I mean, when it comes to hard, harder drugs, like uh, man-made, you know, things, it's a whole different ballpark of people. Like it's not potheads. So anyway, that's where that kind of started. And then what happened after that? I, I'd always been like health orientated, funnily enough. I mean, I know it might sound conflicting to some lay people, but like I am a naturopath student. So I study a Bachelor of Health Science. I've always been into holistic health. And with that comes CBD or with that comes THC, with that comes marijuana. So I don't, I'm not saying it's a good thing to go out and try or do or whatever, but I'm just saying that it is not the same as hard drugs by any means. It is absolutely has a place in this world for good, but I absolutely abused it for sure. I didn't do much with myself for, for quite some time after waiting, but about a year later, that's when I went and did my, got my certificate three and four in personal training and group training and that. So I did that at the Australian Institute of Fitness um, and that took just shy of a year to complete. And whilst I was studying, I actually had a really good friend of mine from the Hills Crew. He, he had just moved away to the Gold Coast, which is, I don't know, like a 20 hour drive from here, a couple hours on a plane. And so my best friend who was, actually been my best friend since I was three years old so I'm very lucky to be my friend best friend for over 20 years her and I we'd been tossing up the idea of of moving up there with him she's going to kill me if she hears this I completely forced her to do it (laughs) I was like we've got to go cheeky uh sorry that's what I call it I'm like we've got to go it'll be great like so I hope she convinced her boyfriend at, at the time and instead of, uh, I, I graduated, but instead of competing in the bikini comps and that, that I had my eye on, I kind of just threw the challenge of that and moved away to the Gold Coast. And that's where the real experimenting kind of started, I guess. I'd already been accustomed to people taking drugs through other scenes that I'd been involved in. I had been very close with a group of boys who were in a band and I'd traveled around with them for, uh, you know, best part of a year and seen a lot but never tried anything I mean I was terrified like seriously the first time I saw a line get like drawn up on a counter I was like where am I like this I think I was 18 or something and I was like no this is not like and um I was scared and I'd been like I said I went to an all girls catholic school I mean it they put the fear of god in us man like you know so I was I thought it was crazy but then yeah I guess I was 19 by the time we moved to the Goldie and when I was there that's when I I first tried 
things like MDMA and speed and acid. And again, like they're not exactly the same class of drugs as what I had an issue with, which I'll get to, but we're getting a little bit more serious now. Like this isn't just cigarettes and marijuana, like, you know, it's real shit. So it was happy days in Queensland. I mean, nothing was a problem yet. I think I was kind of a bit scared. I was like, well, I wonder what you know, I mean, we were getting on it, you know, every weekend, like four of us lived in this house together and we were all 19, 20 years old and we were having the best time. And I don't know, like in Melbourne, it's such shit weather all the time. I mean, I don't know if you see memes and stuff about it, but I mean, our weather is crazy and Queensland's beautiful. I mean, it's sunny every day. So we were just living it up and it was gorgeous beaches, everything. And I lived up there for a couple of years. And when I uh, moved home, that's when the real shit started. So I tried tinder i went on tinder for the first time right i think i was 20 and i met someone on there and it made me excited to move home i mean it was kind of my time was up anyway my friends had moved back a lot earlier than i had to melbourne and i was kind of just like (laughs) taking the piss like trying to make it last as long as i could but it wasn't yeah it was kind of time to come home and i'd met this guy from melbourne on tinder and it made it all that more kind of you know this is what i'm going to do next so I moved back to Melbourne in, I think, 2015 or 16. I can't remember the years. but And that's when I tried hard. I don't even want to say it. Like, how ridiculous is that? Like, I'm ashamed to even say what it was. But, um, yeah, uh, so I tried crystal methamphetamine for the first time. I mean, it's used to cut a lot of drugs, so I'm sure I ingested it at some point. But it was the first time I use like what we call a crack pipe I guess I'm so awkward right now (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's like a good way to like just introduce just set you know yeah no I get it so thank you so yeah yeah I think I from memory kind of lied to these this group of people that I just met I I think they offered it to me I mean I say I think and you're probably thinking is this bitch lying or what but I just don't have the best memory to be honest after all of this that has happened so I really struggle with that sorry I apologize but I'm pretty sure from memory that they offered it to me and were like have you had this before and I said yes I was like yeah I've had it and um, I'm kind of trying to be like cool like no this isn't a huge deal for me like this isn't or even like and I feel like you're the in like in just being like a maybe I don't know if this would make sense but like somebody who you don't want them to feel uncomfortable offering it to you or for having it around and you said like oh my god no then it would create this weird dynamic or something so because it's so socially not okay to have that shit around like you don't just pull that out like I mean anywhere you don't just pull that stuff out so I mean it is something that does divide a party heavily if that stuff's around you got half the people in one room and the other half just away from it because it's gross I mean it's not okay it's not I mean this is the kind of shit that after years and years we're talking about people who like lose their actual minds yeah you know and do harm and can get violent or you know just they like just waste their lives away to absolutely it's just it's very very hard to watch I've seen a lot and what's frightening is what I've seen is really nothing compared to how crazy it can get for a lot of real people out there because addiction is I think it is a sickness I mean I 
and I said this to you when I wrote to you, like, I mean, I feel almost like I'm going to insult people by kind of referring to it as an addiction for me because I mean, while it absolutely destroyed me and I still suffer with, you know, battling it to this day, it, I really like compared to what can happen to people. I'm, I was always fine. I wasn't a daily user. And that's what I'm, so I was going to ask, like, so like, how do you think and when was the moment where you're like, first off, after that first experience, was it, okay, this is an issue or when did you realize okay, this is an issue. And then after yes. that, when did you seek help? Okay. So I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, imagine if I got addicted to this, like that would be crazy. Like that would be like what you see on TV, you know, people get addicted to saying that they've tried. I tried it once and I was immediately like, yeah, this is sick, but I wasn't, you know, running to get it, you know, again, straight away. Like, you don't get addicted like that real quick, but it didn't take long. And what's frightening about it is that, like, I had tried nearly everything else, like, under the sun that's the kind of thing prior and never developed, like, such crazy, uh, intense issues with anything else or had such a toxic relationship with any other substance other than this drug. So it really crept up real quick. I think that I played with fire for a bit there because I wasn't taking it seriously. I thought I was invincible because I had spent a good couple of years up on the Gold Coast, just like partying it up every weekend, not realizing actually how stark the contrast in difference was between the world that I had just come from being on the Gold Coast and the culture there to what I was actually doing when I came back to Melbourne and how poisonous that environment was. While both environments involved drugs, it, like I said, it's just insanely different what I was getting into when I, when I got back here. So I was frightened that it was, I think after about a month or two, I was like, this is getting this is real. Like I, I'm here all the time. I don't go home. I'm not working. I'm smoking every week at least twice. And I'm a little girl, like I'm like small and I can't actually take that much. And then when I do, it's a five day commitment. Like I have, it's hell for me. I mean, I, and it's crazy that we go back and do it again because it is hell coming down off this stuff. But anyway, so after a couple of months, yeah, I was like, well, are we here? Is this a real thing? And I guess I just suppressed. I was like, nah, nah, like, I'm not going to pay attention to that yet. I'm not going to like deal with that question. Yeah. I'm not going to ask myself that yet. And before I knew it, it was all I was. It, it was, was assuming you, right. It, yeah, that was it. I didn't do anything else. Like, I didn't think about other things. Like, I, I got a job and stuff, and I, I did hold down a job for the majority of, of those years, but it wasn't taking me anywhere. I was not moving forward. I was not progressing or evolving or growing. I was completely going backwards. I mean, I had no direction, no, I hadn't asked myself at all, you know what do you want to do? What do you want to be? How do you want to contribute to this world? Like I had, you know, a really good ATAR score. I don't know if you guys have ATAR scores over there, but I did well in high school. And then I did my cert in fitness and that, and I had kind of a goal as a teenager. And then it just completely 
I never thought about it again for like yeah. five you years. Found, like you had the foundation to be successful and to, to pursue those things and to go in that direction. And it was just like one day being like, wait, hold, hold up. Hold on. I'm not there. I'm not going in that direction. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, I was so lucky. I was given so much opportunity and I think that's what really, really killed me as well was being present in those environments that I was in and just being like, what am I doing? What is my family going to, you know, I'm completely letting everybody down, especially myself. Yeah. But everybody who'd ever like thought that I was going to do well, I mean, they didn't know what I was doing, but I was so guilty about it all the time. And did that, um, so I kind of have like an interesting question for you. Did that like shame and guilt play a role in the midst of, you know, when your addiction was consuming you, as you say, like, did that shame and guilt like play a role? Then was it something where you're like numbing those feelings, numbing that emotion, numbing those thoughts? And then it was like a cycle. Like, I'm just trying to think, you know, like other people listening to this who might be able to relate to that. Like if, I don't know if that's, if that played a part. Yeah, no, yeah. I think it, it was a massive cycle. Like for me, it was a weekly cycle. I think for some people it's like a daily thing. For me, it was just like Monday, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna make changes. Of course, didn't. And then I would get on this shit and then I would be really, really happy and feel really good for a minute. And then I would just have this, it's like a blanket of like darkness just falls on you at some point. And then it's all just like shame and guilt and stuff from there. It's all you can think about. Well, for me, that's all it was anyway. I mean, I saw a lot of people, a lot of people like just don't think they're on this shit and they don't think, but I think it's just different kinds of people because I, like you said, had the foundation and I was educated and I was raised well and just given a lot of social and opportunity and so much opportunity. And yeah, I, I had the foundation, but for some people, like they almost don't have a chance. Like they're born into these lives, into these worlds. Their parents are addicts, like they're predisposed in other ways. And as I was, I guess as well, because of what happened early in life, but yeah, where were we? Yeah. um, No, you're totally fine. I was just going to say of just what you just said about like Monday, I'm going to get my shit together. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you you didn't convincing yourself you're justifying it all the time like all the time you're justifying like i'll just do it one more time right 100 people if if people are out there listening right now like who do suffer from addictions particularly with with meth you know i know that you feel that like you absolutely and i actually that's like a very relatable thing to say even for people out there struggling with a food addiction, an addiction to Netflix and to not being productive. And I don't want to like belittle your situation, Annika, but I also like for people out there listening that are like, okay, no, I'm not addicted to drugs, but yes, every Monday I say I'm going to make a change. And, the and cycle thing. come Thursday, it's drinks with the coworkers. Come Friday, screw it. I already messed up yesterday. It's the, it's pizza and burgers and feeling like crap. And then Saturday, fine. We'll just, let's go out. We'll go out this weekend. And then you're out and then it's Sunday and you feel like crap. And then Monday is the day you're going to make a change. And it's this cycle, right? And so I think that's something that's super relatable. Like I said, at the beginning of this addiction comes in a spectrum. It's something to, it's something different to everybody. Right. And so 
I think that's a really relatable thing though, that you're experiencing on a completely new and different level for sure. But I, I also, I think it's a good place to reflect. And if you're feeling those feelings on any level, like I said, whether that's with your health goals or putting things off or your relationship goals, like, I think that's something to realize and then take the next steps. And that was going to be my next question for you, actually. Annika was like, so what did those first steps of recovery look like for you? How did you ask for help? Did you ask for help? How did you start making those steps toward recovery and getting yourself kind of out of that? Yeah, so I was involved in all that for, yeah, I guess, three and a half years, maybe. And I wasn't for any other reason I mean I absolutely wanted to be healthy again and like get my life together again but mainly the real driving force that was actually pushing me to get out of it was that I just had to leave my partner at that time because I was just not being treated properly and a lot of stuff had happened in that those years and you know no relationship on drugs is a healthy one and I was absolutely driven to <laughs> hysteria by this person I mean I (laughs) so much damage was done and I just was like enough is enough by this point I had changed a lot as a person as well I mean I absolutely was not proud of myself at all and I was making crazy bad judgment calls about people about yeah and I just I my partner and I at the time like we did break up and I was in in Melbourne obviously and we broke up and my response to that was to go out and do drugs. So I went on this big like week long bender where I was taking everything you could think of, like not just meth, but like GHB and stuff as well. It's just bad. And I was with bad people, like toxic people, criminal people and not seeing that, not realizing that because you just fucked up and you're just with people who are sharing that with you. And that's all you care about because you're numb to everything else. And I made really poor choices in that week. I mean, that week that my partner and I broke up, I I couldn't have done more damage. I think I almost did more damage in that week as what he did to me in three and a half years. Probably not, (laughs) but it was not good. And what was done was done. And I was absolutely mortified with my behavior. And my cousin actually... He was in Melbourne at the time. So my mother's family are from the country. And so I was, again, so lucky growing up to be raised between Melbourne and the country. I mean, I had such a good balance of lifestyle between both places and very close with my family. My cousin had come to stay with us and I came home after this shocking week. And he just took one look at me and he was like, you are coming home. And that means home to Wangaratta, to the country. And yeah, I basically was like, you don't have a choice. Like you got to get your shit together. Like he could see it. I mean, I told him things over the years, little things. He didn't have a massive idea, but he knew that there was drugs involved. And, and he, um. so I guess for me, with the first round of getting off it was kind of really driven by my cousin actually, you know, being there and saying, you've got to get out of here. And he took me and he, I went to Wangaratta for, I think just shy of six months, I lived with him. He took me in. I mean, can you believe that? My my cousin was like, you're living with us. And, um, and, you know, but I hadn't kind of actually even really kissed the jug goodbye at that point. Like I knew I didn't want to do it anymore, but I didn't care about much. I was so, so sad about my like relationship ending because 
I didn't want it to, it just had to because it was crazy toxic. And I was, yeah, I guess it wasn't like this big, like, I'm going to change my my life kind of thing. But it turned into that over time. So I guess after a few months of being in Wangaratta, I really started to feel this, like, massive spite, I guess. Like, and spite's not good, but it was almost like, that's it. I am the girl here and I'm going to go back there and I'm going to be stronger than all of these little boys that can't get off it. Can't like, I was just like absolutely determined to be the one to be able to be able to sit in the room and still kick it and not touch it because I don't need that shit. And it just became like this thing I had to win. Like I was better than everybody else or something. And while that's not ideal, it worked. I mean, I really, really set myself on that goal, on that mission. So you could still hang out with those same people and mm. you were able to mm. refrain, which I think yep. that's probably something that not many people can say. Like most no. people say they need to, you know, cut ties and choose who they surround themselves with and be really careful about that. I mean, so like, I mean, you're hella strong to be able to do that you know thank you it's not healthy I wouldn't recommend it I don't enjoy it I don't do it anymore and to be quite honest I have lapsed in the last couple of years that I've been clean I say that with little quotation marks I consider myself to be clean for sure like that is how I identified however I don't want to take away from people who genuinely have been sober for years or whatever and they've got their little coins or whatever it might be that like you know but you know I I have had incidents like isolated incidents and lapses and that's probably you know because I do still have the door just a crack open to that world still I still do I'm friends with people and talk to people who are still involved in that which is stupid and hinders my growth for sure but it's just like it's still this thing of I guess I want to just prove myself and who am I proving it to if they can't see it? And yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll grow out of that eventually, but. I think that's cool. Like in real time, like, I mean, in real time, you're in the process of this, right? So like people listening, like, you know, it's not this whole like, oh, well, she's so strong. She's so perfect. She got herself out. She's way past it. I can never, you know, be there, get there. It's like, in real time, like there's still probably triggers, probably days that are harder than others, you know? And, and I just think like by being so vulnerable in that, like people learn from that and people are going to be inspired by that more than if you were to sit there and say, I'm perfect, you know, never thought about it twice after I, you know, moved away and was with my cousin, you know, so. I have such a good mate who's been clean for, and for real clean, like hasn't messed up not one time for a good three or four years or more now and yeah he always says you know nothing triggers me nothing triggers me and that pisses me off because I'm like how how dare you be stronger than me and how the how the hell do you do that but it's different people I mean I'm so emotional and I'm so attached like I have so much love still for these people even though they I don't want to say they dragged me into something because they absolutely did not I mean I was an adult at the time but even though, you know, yeah, they enabled, I guess, and we all enabled each other, this nightmare of a story. I still care about them. And there is this quote, I'm going to butcher it here, but it's something to, something along the lines of like, I love people who 
walk out of the flames burned and they run back carrying buckets of water for those that are still consumed by the fire. And I resonate with that because I want to help my mates, even though it's like not ideal and they're not like the greatest people and they don't necessarily treat me the best. They're sick. They have, you know, they deserve friends too. And I've still got to prove myself to them. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I think like the biggest thing here that I've noticed like throughout is like so many of our decisions are based off of people around us, people we love, people we care for, people we want to impress people. Right. And it's just so crazy how many decisions we make because of other people. I mean, I can relate to that of not wanting to, you know, feel like you're abandoning people, but I don't know. That was just like a weird thing I realized. Okay. What I do want to ask though, is like going forward now, where do you see yourself in the future? What are some goals you have? Like, I just think being able to know full, you know, that story now and where you've come from, I think people, again, whatever spectrum of the addiction, the world of addiction, they might be on. Yeah. Wherever they're at in that, I think it's inspiring to see like what you've been through, what you've done and and what you still have left to do. I mean, you're 25, like you have your whole life ahead of you, you know? So, and I know you just have a heart for helping others and a heart for some big things. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely do. So, I mean, it's kind of hard. Like, I don't think that I've necessarily discovered my calling yet, but as I've said throughout this, I have always been into holistic health. So even prior to all the drug abuse and things. It was something I was always passionate about. And I mean, I've been vegan for, since I was like 20. And like I said, studying a bachelor of health science, I really want to kind of shed light on how to be healthy in like holistic ways, you know, preventative forms of medicine and food. But, but I don't know exactly where that's going to go. For me, my favorite thing in the world, like just where it's at it's just gym man like as soon as I moved to Wangrata with my cousin I got straight back into it I mean I was clean for the first time in ages like in years and I started to put on weight and I started to train at a strongman gym and I got into probably the best physical shape probably better shape in 2018 being in Wangrata than I even am now because I was just that's all I did I didn't have anything else to do in that little country town I mean it's beautiful there but there's not much to do so I yeah got straight back into it and it was I mean I still train every single day to this day since then so I love being in the gym I love training people I love writing programs and I love you know just the whole community surrounding gym there's so much toxic shit surrounding the gyms as well as you probably know being you know who you are and but I just stick to to my you know, crew and I have a great time at the gym. I've never really encountered too much shit. And I just, yeah, really want to see, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but it'll be, yeah, it'll be something on those lines. I I like to be in the gym. So I love it. And it's just one day at a time, right? You know, like what else can you do? That's it. I mean, it's been so long now that, you know, there are, you know, even days, consecutive days pass where, you know, the thought doesn't enter my mind. And even when the thought does enter my mind, it's just a, oh yeah, like that still exists. But like, it barely even registers on the radar. Some days it does, some days it does. And they're the hard days, but they're few and far between now. 
and you just got to push through it. But addiction is not, it's not just like, all right, yep, I'm going to start now. I'm not going to do it ever again. I mean, I didn't have professional help. So maybe for some people, you can get there a lot quicker, but doing this on my own, yeah, I mean, I still do have bad days and it hasn't been just a overnight process, like success, but I mean, who I am now compared to just two years ago is crazy. I mean, if you could only see photos, it's, it's nuts. I'm the healthiest and fittest and strongest and yeah, doing heaps. It's a good thing. No, I like it. I love seeing your growth too. Cause I just remember like literally probably like the first conversation we had two years ago and just now like who you are and just like, even just like the confidence and just seeing you in the gym, seeing you, you know, do you girl, you know, it's cool. So just know like that alone has the ability to inspire people, you know, just the little things like it doesn't have to be anything like extraordinary, extravagant, you know, but it's just like, it's the daily things. And I think like people in your life, people that know your story, your friends, the people that, you know, you're still with, like, I think, you know, that has the ability to inspire them, just like what you're doing on a daily basis. And so I'm sure that they see that. And I hope so. I think they do too. I think they do. Yeah. So, okay. So last question I always ask everybody, there's two actually. So this can be related to the topic we just talked about. It doesn't have to be, but I ask everybody hard no and a hell yes. This can just be in life. So hard no is like, don't ever do this. And then a hell yes, of hell yes, guys, you have to do this right now. So hell yes, you should just suss out a vegan <laughs> diet. Suss <laughs> out? What's suss out? What does that mean? Suss out, S-U-S. Like, uh, what is that even short <laughs> for? It's just completely like, like a, a, a word here though. Like, like you gotta suss it out. It out. Like, check it out. Yeah, you gotta you gotta suss it out. Like, what is that short for? Like, I think it's short for like suspicion. Like, I was sus on him because that's uh, that's how you say it. But it's kind of morphed into like this other. Like, you can use it, apply it in other ways. You know? Yeah. So, so funny. I'm actually so I used. Yeah, I used <laughs> to be vegetarian for four years, and then like on a vegan within there, and like I've had thoughts of like trying to get back at that. So. It's not for everybody, like, and I, I say that now as a naturopathic student. If you asked me three years ago, I would have said absolutely everybody should be vegan, what the fuck? But <laughs> now I recognize, you know, we've got different blood types, we've got different biologies, it's not actually the healthiest for everybody. But I think that it's important that everybody checks out what they can do, you know, and what they eat and how they can make a difference. I like that. And hard, hard no. I have another hell yes is a hell yes is I encourage people crunching their own meat. So a hard no would be factory farming. See, that's what I'm really against. Okay. So sorry it was all about vegan shit, but I just love it. You're good. We're (laughs) here for it. It's whatever is on your heart in the moment. Okay, cool. Well, I love that. Okay. And then the very last thing, again, just to show everyone, we're all human here. We are all awkward and... (laughs) What is your most embarrassing memory or moment or story that you can share with us? Uh, so, yeah, all right, okay. So I'm going to draw back to when I was a kid because the most embarrassing thing I did as an adult is just awful. So we'll go back to our primary school. There we go. I um, oh, so, It's so bad. I um, had a boyfriend, I think, for about a week and he broke up with me for, like, the blonde girl. And I was not happy about it and I was upset and I was very sad. So I um, came home that night with my two girlfriends and we rehearsed a song by The Cause. You might know it. It's called I Never Really Loved You Anyway. 
I think I was like eight or nine and we went back to school the next day like and when everyone came in from recess we had our little cd box you performed it I did did it in front of everyone (laughs) that is so funny oh my gosh so Uh, little (laughs) eight-year-old yeah just so much balls yeah that is Funny. Oh my goodness. I love it. That story's so mortifying that it only became funny recently. Like I wasn't okay with it for a very long time. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, I love that you shared it. Thank you. Annika, I just want to say thank you for your honesty, your vulnerability, your just openness today. I know that it's going to touch and reach and hit somebody and this is going to be what they needed to hear to have the guts and the belief in themselves to whether or not they think they are struggling with a serious addiction. You know, like I think we all can recognize, like I've been saying a bunch of times, you know, there's multiple different sides of the spectrum. And so maybe you're listening to this right now, guys, and and you're like, wow, this is a, a rack at my face. I need a I need to figure some stuff out. I'm just going to say, you know, always seek professional help and professional care and advice and ask somebody for help. Ask somebody who can help you, right? And get yourself out of the situation. Just like Annika, you know, had to get up and and leave and go stay with her cousin. You know, maybe that's an option. Mm -hmm. So again, hopefully this episode provokes thought and reflection and belief that that you can do that. You can get out of those negative spells, those negative cycles. So I'm so proud of you, girl. And thank you so much for being with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Annie. I think what I would just leave, like leave with everybody is to say, don't leave it as long as I did. I mean, I knew after two or three months, as I said, that like shit was getting way too much and I let it go on for three years more. So, I mean, if you know deep down that what you're doing is not helping you or it's detrimental to you, get up today. Like, don't let, because, you know, weeks turn into months and months turn into years. And that's what happened to me. I mean, I blinked and I'm 25 and now I'm just only starting to get back on track from where I was at 19. I had so much going for me and I just completely threw it away, blinked and we're here. So, I mean, don't let that happen to you. Don't let the time go so fast because it will. Right. And again, yeah, whatever that hits home with, you know, drugs, alcohol, relationships, health, goals, fear, like there's so many things that that can apply to you. Just don't sit on it, you know? So anyway, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye everyone. That is all for today, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Hey, I'd be so grateful if you took one second to send this podcast to one person you know would love it. And also don't forget, leave a five-star review because honestly, go big or freaking go home, Becky, okay? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or a follow if you're listening through Spotify. Also, go ahead and check this out at letsgetuncomfy.podcast and myself at Annie underscore fitlifefitme on Instagram. Tag us in your stories. Let me know how you're getting uncomfy and what you loved about today's episodes. Now, go do it. Go get uncomfy. Pursue what others consider unlikely. I double dog area.